Dr. Christopher Yuan has taught the Bible at Moody Bible Institute for 12 years and has spoken on faith and sexuality across five different continents. His recently published book called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel was named the 2020 Book of the Year for Social Issues by Outreach Magazine. But Chris wasn't called to ministry in some church service or a youth conference or any situation like that. Instead, he received his call into ministry in a prison cell. Over this past week, I've been reading his earlier book, which is called Out of a Far Country, which he co-wrote with his mum, Angela. And this book tells the story of how his mum came to faith in Christ in the middle of the pain of a troubled marriage and her sons coming out as gay. And then it details how for years she prayed for Chris as his life spiralled down into promiscuity, into drug abuse and crime. And then finally he ended up in prison for drug dealing, where he also discovered that he was HIV positive. But just when Chris uh, reached rock bottom, he found a Gideon New Testament in a rubbish bin inside the prison, and he started to read it. And as he read it, God amazingly worked in his life, and Chris came to faith in Jesus. And inside the prison, he started to preach to the other inmates. They were having services and they were, and he started to, to take those services and to preach the gospel. And some of those inmates came to faith in Christ. And now Chris travels internationally with his mum beside him to speak at churches and conferences about God's desire to, to, for prodigals of all types to return to him. It's amazing how God works in the most unlikely of people, in the most unlikely of circumstances, and in the most unlikely of ways to accomplish his will. And that was certainly the case with Jonah. God had called Jonah to go to the Assyrian city of Nineveh and warn them of coming judgment. But Jonah had refused, running as fast as he could in the opposite direction. But finally, as he was drowning in the Mediterranean Sea, God broke through. Jonah humbled himself and called out to God for help. And amazingly, in his grace, God rescued Jonah. By providing that huge fish to swallow him and then to spit him out on the shore. But I think the most astounding thing is that this was not the end of the story. God still had a plan for Jonah. A plan that was better than he could imagine. So this morning we're going to read from Jonah chapter 3. Verse 1 through to verse 10, the whole of this this chapter. And this morning, Grace is going to uh, read that to us. Um, 
Then the word of God of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go to it. Jonah became began to go on a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and the animals be covered by, with slop. Let everyone call gently, urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Then God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Do you ever feel unable and inadequate to serve God? Do you ever feel that you're not good enough to share Jesus in this generation? Are you ever so aware of your failures and the mess that you've made that you think that God could never use you? But Jonah's experience shows us that that isn't the case, but that God wants to work through all of us. Because, of course, Jonah had messed up big time. He had rebelled against God. He had run away put himself and others in danger. But God was not ready to consign Jonah onto the scrap heap. Instead, he gave him another chance. Verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. But why was that? Did God really not have anybody else that he could use for this mission? Could he not just scrap Jonah and find someone else who would do a better job? But the thing is, that is not the God that we serve. Our God is the God of second chances, and third, and fourth, and fifth. God delights in using flawed people in his kingdom. He loves taking people who are broken, who have fallen flat in their faces, and restoring them, not just to what they were, but to even more than what they were. People like Abraham, who kept on lying about his wife just to save his own skin. Or Jacob, who was a deceiver. Or Moses, who was a murderer. Or Rahab, who was a prostitute. Or David, who was a failure as a husband and a father. 
or Peter who denied his Lord, or Thomas who doubted the resurrection, or Paul who persecuted the church, or Mark who abandoned and ran away in his first mission trip, or Christopher and Angela, like in this book that I was reading, or you, or me. Because we've all been given a second chance. Despite all of our rebellions and our failures and our mistakes, we've not been discarded or put out onto the scrap heap. God hasn't given up on us. Today, we are still called to go and make disciples of all nations, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. We still have a commission to go to our families and our neighbours and our work colleagues and our colleges and our schools and this, this, this community and this world to introduce people to Jesus and to encourage them to live for Jesus. And God does this. Excuse me. Excuse me. He does this because he loves us. Do you remember what Jonah said? You are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. God's love is unfailing. It is constant and consistent. He doesn't declare his love and then take it back. Instead, his love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 and 7. God is the God of second chances. Because he loves us. He is committed to us. And he does not give up on us. Now, of course, that doesn't excuse our sin. God's grace is not an excuse for more rebellion against him. Instead, God's grace is the very opposite. God's grace is the life-transforming power that leads us to obey him. This is what Jonah shows here. The first time when Jonah heard God's call to go to Nineveh, he ran away. But this time, he did the exact opposite. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So what was the difference between those two calls? Well, it was that he had experienced the amazing grace of God. And this had impacted his heart and led to obedience as he had vowed in his prayer that he prayed while inside the belly of that fish. Some people think that those who experience God's grace through faith in Jesus will use it as an excuse for disobedience. But those who have truly have experienced his grace are transformed by it. This is what Paul writes in, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. 
It says the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. The grace of God teaches us to live a life that honours God. So we're not just saved by grace, the grace of Christ. Our lives are transformed by the grace of Christ. It sanctifies us, it it, it, it motivates us and it empowers us to live a life of obedience to God. So today, if you and I have trusted in Jesus, then we are called to live for him, to obey him, to obey his commands and to share the gospel as he has called us to in this world. But we're not called to do this out of fear or guilt or condemnation or a desperate attempt to try and make ourselves right with God. Instead, we are called to live for Jesus in the freedom and the joy and the gratitude and the wonder of our experience of his amazing grace. In response to God's grace, Jonah obeyed and went to Nineveh. Now verse 2 tells us that Nineveh was a a great city. And in verse 3 it says Nineveh was an important city. A visit required three days. Now people debate about what that actually means. Some people think that that means that about, that talks about the size of the city. Not just the city, but its but its surrounding district, which maybe was about 60 miles in circumference. Other people think it, requ- it refers to the fact that this, this city was one of those important cities that required a three-day visit, because that was the custom. That when you enter an important city, uh, one day, the first day was for arrival and to be welcomed by the officials of that city. Then the second day was for the visitation or for the business or that you were doing in the city. And then the third day for the departure. But the point seems to be in, 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 in verse 3 that this city was important, not so much because of the size or because of its political significance, but because it was important to God. God cared about this city, as we'll see. But what is really clear is that Jonah, when he arrived, he wasted no time in delivering his message. It says in verse 4, on the first day, Jonah started into the city, he proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. It was a solemn warning that was direct and to the point. In 40 days time, Nineveh would be overturned. It would be overthrown. It would be destroyed. And amazingly, the city heard Jonah's warning and they responded with sincere repentance. Look at verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. Remember, these were a, a, that was a pagan nation, nothing to do with the one true and living God. But they believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, 
put on sackcloth. Now, fasting, doing without food, and then putting on this uh, uh, rough and uncomfortable clothing of mourners called sackcloth, they were outward signs or to show the genuineness of the inward remorse and sorrow. And this repentance was seen throughout this community, throughout all of the different social state, uh, social classes. Even the king responded to this. When he heard Jonah's message, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And then he issued a decree proclaiming a city-wide fast, a time of prayer to God, and even a repentance from their sin. This is just amazing. Look at verse 7. This is the pagan king of Nineveh. He says, Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them even eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And despite the fact that Jonah had just delivered this message of warning of destruction, without ever getting any kind of indication of hope of rescue, the king said, Who knows? God may yet relent. And with compassion, turn from his fierce anger, so that we will not perish. Isn't that amazing? Now we don't know how long, how deep or how long lasting this repentance was. And certainly it didn't stop the Assyrians from destroying Israel about 40 years later. But this, at this moment, it was an urgent and it was a sincere repentance. And we know that because of how God responded to it. Look at verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened. When God saw how the people of Nineveh repented, their lives were spared. Their city was not destroyed. In fact, it continued for another 150 years or so. Now, this was not God going back on his word. This was not God breaking his promises. This actually was what Jonah hinted at in his preaching. If you look back again at verse 4, Jonah said 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Now that word overturned, it does mean destroyed, but it can also mean turned upside down or transformed. So perhaps unknown to Jonah, Jonah was actually prophesying that this city would repent, would turn upside down and turn away from their sin. 
And anyway, we know that what God did here is in keeping with his character, as revealed in the scriptures. For example, by the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 8. He says this, if at any time, this is the Lord speaking, I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down or destroyed. And if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will repent, relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And so God here was demonstrating the same grace to the people of Nineveh that he had shown to Jonah in rescuing him in that storm. And that is because this is who our God is. He is gracious and compassionate. He is a God who relents from sending calamity, as Jonah says in verse 2 of chapter 4. Our God is the God who saves. And so the, the, the experience of the people of Nineveh is a great encouragement for us today to repent and to be saved through God's grace by trusting in Jesus. But it's also a serious tribute to those who refuse to repent. This was a rebuke to Jonah. In the storm, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Jonah had refused to repent, despite the fact that God spoke to him so powerfully in in so many ways. This was also a serious tribute to the nation of Israel at that time. Because about the same time as Jonah, God was using Hosea and Amos, two different prophets, to warn the people of Israel of his impending judgment. And yet they failed to respond. They failed to repent. But this was also a serious rebuke to the people of Israel in Jesus' day. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. Did you get that? The people of Nineveh, they believed in God, and they turned from their sins when Jonah, a disgraced prophet, preached to them. But Israel refused to repent. Even when Jesus, the Son of God, came and preached to them and displayed his miraculous power. Isn't that extraordinary? That these people have never listened to Jonah, where the nation of Israel refused to listen to Jesus? But what about us? Have we listened? To the one who's greater than Jonah? 
Jesus' message in Mark chapter 1 verse 15 was the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Yes, our God is the God of second chances. He is gracious and compassionate. But we must never take that for granted. We need to turn from our sins. We need to turn from living our life our own way and turn to Jesus. Accept his forgiveness and surrender our lives to him. So if you've never done that, then maybe this is the day where you would choose to listen to Jesus. To believe in him and to put your trust in him. So the whole city of Nineveh repented and they were saved. Jonah's ministry in Nineveh was spectacularly effective. One sermon changed the lives of thousands of people. But why? Why did this city repent? Why was Jonah's mission so successful? Well, I think the only answer that we can come up with is that this is the supernatural power of God at work. It's possible that some recent events had prepared this city for Jonah's message. Two plagues had erupted in the city in 765 BC and 759 BC. And then there was a total eclipse of the sun, which occurred in 763 BC. And so perhaps these were considered signs of divine anger. And so they were ready to respond when Jonah came along with his message that God was coming to judge the city a little bit later. But that's not to say that Nineveh was an easy place for Jonah to come in and preach in. The people of Nineveh did not repent because of their sensitivity or their soft hearts. Remember, these people were evil and wicked and violent. Remember we looked at what Nahum said about this city in Nahum chapter 3 verse 1. The city was full of blood. It was a city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. But the truth is, there is nobody who is so far from God that they cannot be reached. There is no generation, no culture, no family, no individual that is too rebellious or too hard or too sinful for the gospel to break into. Before uh, he came to Christ, the apostle Paul was as far from Jesus as possible. But he said, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him. God can reach the hardest of people. So when we see Jonah's mission to to, to Nineveh, 
We need to learn that no matter how difficult the place that God has called us to go to, whether that's our family, whether that's a a college, whether that's a workplace, whether that's another country, God can bring people to himself. There is nobody that's too far away from him that he can't reach. But secondly, this success was not based on Jonah's character. Jonah had not been a faithful servant of God. He had run away from the Lord. And even in here in Nineveh, when he was preaching, it was not motivated by love and compassion for this people. As we'll see next week, Jonah was self-centered and prejudiced even as he was preaching this message. Jonah was a deeply flawed human being. But that is who God has chosen to work through. And I think that's because it's through our brokenness that God's power and grace can be more clearly revealed. This is what Paul wrote. He was talking about the treasure of the gospel. And he said, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. God chooses to work through unlikely people like us so that anything we achieve is clearly from God and not from us. And so that means our weaknesses, our limitations, our inadequacies, our failures, they are not barriers to God working through us. Instead, they are opportunities for God's power to be more clearly revealed in us. But thirdly, This success was not because Jonah preached a remarkably creative or eloquent message. His message was literally five Hebrew words. But instead, Jonah's message had such an impact because it really wasn't Jonah's message. He was commissioned in verse 2 to go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. The message I give you. Jonah was successful because he faithfully told the people what God had told him to say. And folks, that's the same for us. Our effectiveness in our mission is not based on our ability to speak eloquently or persuasively. Instead, it's based on our willingness To speak faithfully the gospel that God has entrusted to us. This is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We are not called to be the best preachers in the world. We're just called to be committed to preaching, to sharing, to speaking about, to handing over the message that God has given to us, the message of Jesus.
Now, of course, that doesn't mean, that doesn't guarantee that if we faithfully preach the gospel, then we are going to see a city-wide revival like, like Jonah did here in Nineveh. Many of the prophets of the Old Testament, they faithfully declared God's word, and yet they were rejected, they were ridiculed, they were imprisoned, they were even put to death because of their faithfulness. Even Jesus himself faithfully declared the message that his father had given him. And yet he was killed on a cross because of it. John chapter 1 verse 11 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. But these ministries of these prophets, or of Jesus, these these missions were not failures. Yes, people refused to listen. Yes, people criticised and rejected them for it. Yes, people attacked them for it. But they were successful. Because success is not based on popularity or through visible results, but by fulfilling God's purpose and plan for our lives. So this is what Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Again, it's faithfulness that counts. Faithfulness in sharing the message that God has has entrusted to us and sent us to share. And so God may choose to work through us in his power to spectacularly transform a city like Jonah did. God certainly has the power to do that, even through people like us. Or he may choose to work through us in power in a different way to accomplish his plan and purpose. But what we can be sure of is that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Our God is the God of second chances. Today, in his grace, he calls messed up, broken people like us to serve in his kingdom, to go out into the world and make disciples. And he is the God of stunning results. He is able to work through us to declare his truth, to warn this world, to humble hardened hearts, to save lost people, to transform lives and even transform communities. And he's able to do this, not because of our ability or our character or our passion or our imagination but rather because he is the God of supernatural power. He is able to do far more than we could ever ask or imagine, because by his spirit, his power is at work in us. So this morning, let's give him our lives once again, and allow him to fulfil his purpose and plan in our lives. Let's trust 
that God's plan for us is better than we can imagine. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you. I just thank you for this this wonderful passage where we can see you working in power to rescue, to save, to transform, to bring to repentance, to bring to yourself people who are very far from you. Father God, we just thank you and we praise you because this gives us such hope as we look out into the world or we look at our families or we look even at ourselves, Lord, that you are the God who saves, who has the power to transform lives, to rescue people, to bring people to yourself. But Lord, even more amazing, we see that you do this, you did this through somebody like Jonah. This, this, this guy who so many aspects of his character are so unattractive, are so like us. And yet you work in power in his life. But Lord, that means that you can work through us. As jars of clay as we are, broken, messed up, mixed up people, Lord. And yet you can work through us and you work in us. To, to change our lives and to impact the lives of people around us. So Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us, from the oldest to the youngest, Lord, whatever our circumstances, whatever our experience, whatever our knowledge, Lord, you'd help each and every one of us to just, to just lay down our lives again before you, to submit to the Lordship of Christ in our lives again. To accept your call on our lives. To go and make disciples of all nations. And that we would answer that call. Even now, even today, even this week. That we will go with fresh commitment. To speak the message that you have entrusted into our hearts. And that you will use us. To reach lost people. To draw them to yourself. To bring them into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.